everybody. Welcome in episode five of the Portland Winterhawks podcast. Editor Johnson hanging out with Nick Merrick over at the VMC. And uh, I don't know if you've slept in about three weeks, but <laughs> it's nice to at least have a small break before we start playing games again. Let's get to the important thing. How was Thanksgiving? Did you eat a lot of food? Oh my gosh. Thanksgiving was terrific. It was really good. Uh, I sat and watched the Mace Days Parade. There you go. That's I a very old-timey dad thing to do. Absolutely. We had uh, little Miles was watching when Bluey's... <laughs> Balloon went by. <laughs> what do you call it? The balloons, right? Yeah, uh, blimp, not blimps. I think yeah. I, I think this is a big balloons. day of balloons. Yeah, I think it flew away, or one of them got away. <laughs> sure. Uh, good news, he didn't see that. He was not awake for Santa Claus. He was okay. already taking his little nap. Uh, and then step. we just had football, football, football. <laughs> a great meal at night. Yeah. We were laughing because we we goofed up a couple of dishes and we accidentally had the oven on while we had our cornbread in. Uh oh. Um. So that was cooked for about three and a half hours by accident. Good news <laughs> is the house is still up. Um. But a great Thanksgiving. Literally. Yeah. Had that turkey trip to fan kick right in, and I had a great slumber before the three and three. <laughs> and you wake up, so you got game Wednesday, a lot of turkey Thursday. Yes. Game Friday, game Saturday, game Sunday. Yes. Uh, you were exhausted. The team is exhausted. How do you feel like everybody handled it? Because this, these are those stretches where it just it wears on you, man. I don't care how it long does. you've been doing it. I, you've been calling games for a long time. You got teams, guys on this team that have been here for a long time. They've seen. Stretches like this, right. but I think when you throw in a holiday, it could, that can wear on you mentally and physically a little bit. No, I think it does. Uh, overall reaction from the week, okay. Yeah. I think from the team perspective, um, they had two really good wins. They had one that maybe slipped away, and one hockey game that was, uh, in my opinion, I'd probably take the tape and just throw it out. Just like, yeah, I, burn it. No need. Fourth game in five nights. Kind of what you expect in terms of the game. Um, the crowd was good, though. Like, they were still energized, and they were trying to help the team. I think it's just one of those where the legs just fell apart from both Portland and Spokane. Um, and we're talking about that Sunday game, the, the last game, most recent one. Um, you know, low-scoring game, kind of one of those where it's like, just score a goal and hope you hold on. And just that's gets, Yeah, one nothing lead, and it might hold up. Yes, yeah. and that's tough because that's not how Portland plays. But to their credit, you know, it's hard. Like, I, th I think the easiest thing here is the schedule has been – relatively favorable for Portland, minus that 18, 19-day road trip, they haven't had a lot of games where you're looking at the Eastern Conference, and I'm still looking at this, and there's some East Conference teams that are almost at 30 games played this season. Whoa. And I'm like, how have you played that many games? Portland's at 24 now, I think. So they were kind of at 20 going into the week, and other teams have already played eight more games than them, and it's thinking like, uh-oh, tough stretch is coming up, and... My hand is raised because the tough stretch is right now. You played four games in five nights. Thank God for the team. You have a full week to kind of reset. There's no weekday games. Yeah, that's then you, nice. Then you have three games in three nights, three games in three nights, three games in four nights, and then if you're still alive, have fun with your family while you're back for <laughs> holiday break because we're going to do it all again in late December and early January. So Golly. it is tough stretch. You're right. Merry Christmas over that. I, I mean, it is. I feel like this is one of those arguments, though, of, you know, it's always a debate for these players, college, WHL, what's the route I want to go? I, you know, I, I feel like this is the argument, as much as it wears on you, that this is getting you prepared for the NHL. Like, yes. This is what you're going to. Yes. When you go to the next level, there's famous stories about Blazers, back in the day, I remember Steve Kerr telling a story about Zach Randolph, his first year on the Blazers, and they were flying home for a game in December, and he said, we get like a Christmas break, right? And Steve Kerr looked at him like, dude, you're in the NBA. Like, <laughs> no, we no, you don't get a Christmas. There's no day off. Like, we got a game next week. So this is, I mean, it's one of those where it's like the silver lining of it is these guys are getting experience going through a schedule that right. when you go to the next level, this is what it is for 82 games, and there is no time off. No, that's very true. I, I agree. I think, I feel like whenever I hear the NCAA versus CHL arguments, 
they always say in the NCAA, you know, even players do, they're like, well, you know, I get, I get the week to focus on my schooling stuff, and then I get to just go hard in the gym, work on my extra skills, yeah. and then I just have the two games on the weekend, and then you're done. The good news is your body probably enjoys that more. Sure. Just because naturally you aren't, you know, working like a horse for <laughs> five straight months. Yeah. Um, but you're right. If you want to make that leap, which many of these guys will – even if it's not the NHL, they'll be in the American Hockey League, they'll be in the ECHL, they'll be overseas playing pro, um, they'll be playing for their universities, which is more, you know, even if they're playing college university, it is kind of on that two games in the weekend schedule because they have their schoolwork. Right. Um, so more so the pro style, you are having a tough schedule. You might be in Idaho one night, and then you're flying back home, and you're playing in Atlanta, and then next day you're in Florida, and then you're going to Texas. Like, it's insane. Yeah. So it's kind of the same vibe, like you said. That's a really good call out because it, it does. It preps your body. Um, it kind of shows you, okay, what do I have to do now to survive these four and fives? And you learn a lot of things. You aren't winning a title in November. I wanted the Winterhawks to win all four games. Of course, yeah. Everybody does. The team does. Your captain will. The coaches do. Everybody wants them to win. End of the day, I think they won their biggest game of the week. It was against Saskatoon. It was kind of one of those um, like thresholds. Like, are, are we playing up to the level yeah. of the top teams out east? Saskatoon was number one in their division, and that was a playoff game. Now, no excuses for how it finished, but, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to look at the game and say, those two teams exhausted their tank in Saturday's win right. that the Hawks got in overtime. It was an unbelievable hockey game. Like, you're going back and forth, easily the best game of the year for me. Uh, nobody led by more than a goal. Hawks scored, Saskatoon answered. Hawks scored, Saskatoon answered. Hawks scored, Saskatoon answered. Saskatoon took a late lead. Hawks answered, won in overtime. Like, perfect. That's beautiful. That's exactly how you want a fun hockey game to go. You know, teams want to win by probably three, four comfortably. But in sure. terms of the feel, like there was adversity, there was the closeness. Everybody was engaged. They, you know, the legs weren't dead then. You kind of exhausted them at the end of that game. So I'm not saying I blame the team for what happened on Sunday, but right. you know, it was tough to watch. It was a little bit like the 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 minds were going quicker than the feet could catch in that Sunday game against Spokane, and the Hawks were kind of hoping they'd hold on to their one-goal lead, but Spokane put a good push in the third, and all of a sudden they, they rolled two quick goals together in less than a minute. They got two empty net goals, and now you're sizing up uh, playing Wenatchee on the road Friday in their teddy bear toss. We'll talk about our Winterhawks teddy bear up, toss yeah. soon, but uh, you know, then you come back, you play that same Wenatchee team on Saturday. It's a toy drive game. Then you have Prince George, which... Hello, you want to be ready for that third game in three nights because that is the game that I think a lot of people in the Western Conference have circled probably since early November thinking, oh boy, when's the crash course between Portland and Prince George? <laughs> exactly. And why has it been so long? And here we are in December, you finally get it. Well, I mean, it's just it's a natural thing to run out of gas like that. And, and the Saskatoon game is the one you'll lean on and you'll remember come playoff time. And the, the Spokane game is the one, as you kind of say, where you just throw it out and it doesn't really count. And you, you mentioned some of the big stuff coming up. I want to get to, obviously, the big news around the team lately Jan Spoonar going down. It's always devastating. I felt like Portland came into this year yep. feeling great about their goaltender situation. They loved the way that Jan was playing early in the season. He got off to a great start. You allow Brunin to kind of develop, get some starts here and there, and pick and, pick and choose where you want to play him in the right spots to build his confidence. Now that's all the steering wheels out of the car, and Brunin's in. What do we do? Making moves. So right. what are we hearing on Spoonar? How do you feel about the way Brunin has played? And do you think there's a... A, a corresponding move further than what they've already done. Yeah, the the best uh, way to start this one is Luke. Uh, I'm sorry, Jan Spoonar. That injury is brutal. 
Like, he left at a time where, in my opinion, if he wasn't the best goalie in the CHL, which statistically he is. Now, I know, he, obviously, there's different factors that go in than just the stats because sure. the team helps that. Um, he is probably a top three CHL netminder, regardless of statistics, looking at it, which is incredible because that's the goaltender that the Winterhawks knew he could be when he became that number one, and he excelled at it. So, all of a sudden, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, Jan Spoonar, year two, here we go. We're going to ride this goalie maybe a little too much because then he gets injured. Sure. Um, it looks like the status is week to week. Kind of thinking about what that means in terms of how do you dissect that from the weekly report. Uh, he's not day to day, which usually means he might miss a game or two and then he'll be back the next week. Week to week usually signifies ah, he's probably going to miss a couple weeks because yeah. it goes day to day, week to week, month to month, or indefinite. So week to week to me tells me no chance we see Jan before the Christmas break. So I'd probably rule out all of these games in December until the holidays. But I wouldn't rule him out coming back in early January, mid-January timeline. So there is a reason to believe this is not season-ending. Do not (laughs) hit the panic button there. If it was season-ending, the weekly report would have said indefinite, and then you'd be saying, oh, no. Right. Like, this isn't good. You know, a move then it's have time to, to panic. Then, then you got to make a move <laughs> yeah. ASAP, like before yeah. the team goes on holiday break. So I think they're kind of just, you know, it's going to be a tough stretch in the month, month and a half, but you're going to have to figure it out in that time. Um, I, I think the worst thing for Spoonar at this point is the fact that he's not going to get his opportunity at World Juniors. That's horrible. I, I feel so bad for him there. I hate that for him because 19-year-olds yeah. at this part, they get to represent their country at the best hockey tournament of the year. I love it because we are on that. Christmas break time. Technically, it'll be like the day we're coming back, which is perfect because now you're playing a WHL schedule, but you're also watching those players play for their country um, at that big international tournament where they invite, what is it, 10, 10 teams, I think it is? You play in the group play, and then you get you know Canada, U.S., Sweden, Finland, Czech, um, Switzerland, Germany. Like You get all the top teams in that tournament. Unbelievable to watch. You get the next superstars in the NHL and in the CHL and whatnot. Um, so I always enjoy that, and I know that was what he had his eyes set on. Like yeah. He would have, if not been the starter, he was making that team. Yes, there is was. no doubt. I think Ulster will. He should. It better be a shoe-in. <laughs> he was on their team last year as an underager. He was just 18. This is a 19-year-old tournament. He's 19 now. He's probably going to be playing good minutes for him. He was kind of their extra role last year, which frustrated a lot of us in Portland because we're thinking, man, like, Ulster's worked his bag off. Like, let him play. Or if you aren't going to let him play there, like, bring him back to Portland so we can play for us. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those, like, you're in that tough spot. He did win a medal, though, but even talking with Ulster, he was kind of like, eh. Like, I feel like I didn't earn it. Like, it's right. sad because their country medal, I think, got silver for the first time in, like, 17 years or something like that. It's a it, big deal, man. Huge yeah. deal for Czech. And then they kind of come back, and Ulster's like, yeah, I loved it, but, like, the guys were partying, and I didn't, I didn't want to party. Like, I... <laughs> I wasn't, you know, I was there, and, like, I liked yeah. the team, but I didn't feel like I factored into it. So you kind of feel for him there, so you want, like, that Ulster revenge tour, if you will, just to have him play and watch him succeed. Um, but then there's my long-winded way of coming back to now Spoonar is gone. So you have Luke Brunin, and it's time to see, okay, let's let's go. Yeah. Finally, it's Brunin season. Like, this is what all Hawks fans are waiting for. They saw him at Neely Cup a couple years. Now they get to see him take over the reins. They brought back Justin Marich, who is unbelievable in the SJHL. Like, he's an all-star caliber for that league. I think he was 10-2 and two his 
save percentage was almost a 93%, which, again, that's like Jan Spoonar numbers. That's unheard of. That's not bad. No. So now you have those two kind of going back and forth. And it's, you know, it's a little interesting because I was wondering how they would do the workload for that first true weekend after losing Spoonar. Four games in five nights, and they went Brunin, Thanksgiving, Brunin, Marich, Marich. Um, and Justin Marich gets his first career Western Hockey League win. Huge congratulations on that in that Saskatoon playoff-like game. Uh, and then Sunday, you know, the team just didn't have it in front of them. It was kind of the same thing with Brunin. Incredible win for him on Wednesday. Sure. You have Thanksgiving off. He was outstanding in the first period on Friday night. Unbelievable. Probably the best Brunin period we've seen. I talked to him afterwards. He probably close to agree to that. He liked his play in the first period. Said he played well in the second. I agree with that. The team just kind of fell apart a little defensively. A couple power play goals got in. And then the third period was a little rougher because then Everett just poured it on. Like when, right. it, when the floodgates opened, they opened. Um, so now you kind of have those two that you'll get to play for what, what is the next, what is that, nine games or so going into the holiday break? It's a good assessment period to see, all right, are they ready to take over this workload should another injury res, you know, arise come playoff time um and and can they handle it i I think the answer will be yes but now you have two that you're going to probably be able to share the workload with which will be good um and then obviously you know we'll see if anything needs to happen but i have confidence that brunin and marich can kind of figure this out and find who's going to be your number two behind spoonar when he returns and then you mentioned i think you know obviously first whl wins are a big deal you know playing those stretches like you mentioned with brunin in the first 20 against everett you can build confidence from that and you can lean on that as the season goes on. I, I, I do wonder, do you feel like they changed their strategy at all with knowing that goaltender isn't the strength at currently that you thought it was? I mean, Portland is an aggressive team. They love to get out and fly. They love to be explosive. Is it one where you're playing a little more conservatively, knowing we don't want to leave ourselves open because if we get a two-on-one breakaway, maybe we don't trust Brunin to make the same saves that Spoonar would? Do you think there's any adjustment there from Mike, knowing – because as you point out, I mean, you're looking at a nine-game stretch. You're hoping he's back in January. This right. isn't, You're hoping it's not a long-term thing, and you get him back at the start of next year. So it doesn't have to be necessarily a season-altering thing, but just in the next couple of weeks, do we get a little more conservative offensively? I don't think you change anything from your offensive game plan because I think this is a Portland team that knows they want to score four, five, six six goals a night, if yeah. not more, helps to win games a lot. 100%. Yeah. I mean, look at the Saskatoon game. As exactly. much of a playoff game as it was, they scored five goals, and they kind of knew they needed to get around that benchmark to to pick up a win. Um, I don't think the Hawks are going to change much. I do think they need to be more cognizant defensively and be a little bit more smart with their um, you know, stick infractions and, and just clean up their game a little bit. Sure. Like, we look at it, too. It was really painful in that road game against Everett knowing the power play advantage was eight to two in Everett's favor like it's a tough hand to deal a come on something's got to go there and there were a couple of borderline too many men on the ice calls to be fair you should never be put in the situation to have a bench minor for too many men so those kind of penalties I know coaches infuriate like they want to get rid of those from their game you don't (laughs) want to have a delay of game for puck over the boards your defensive zone you don't want to have an offensive zone stick infraction of a slash or a hook like you're in the offensive zone what are you doing right it's just self-inflicted yes exactly and i'll hear that all the time from mike and kyle and brian and and when they're going over over video they'll they'll kind of gripe and just say like those kind of infraction are just lazy penalties like you just weren't in the right position you didn't move your skates so you put a stick obviously are they going to happen yes you you aren't going to eliminate them um but i think it's just you know to help out goaltenders you got to stay clean stay out of the box uh and then the 
penalty kill has slid a little bit, but I think a lot of that too, to your point, I do agree. I think I think goaltenders have to be your best penalty killers. So Jan Spoonar figured out the system. He knew it worked well for him. And then the team did kind of mold defensively around where Jan's weaknesses are. Sure. What do we want to protect? Where do we want shots to Correct. come from? And I don't, this is where I don't know the exact answer, but like maybe the team knows, hey, he doesn't like his high blocker. Okay, well then let's just defend that short side whenever they're on the wall. So I'll take away that shooting angle, knowing that he'll be able to go well to his glove side. Maybe Brunin's different. This is where I don't know the fundamentals on, on what Luke or Jan or Justin would say, um, but I do think there is something to that point, Andy, where there's weaknesses that Spoonar has that is different from the weaknesses that Luke would have and Justin would have, and, and their strengths are you know, vice versa. So Interesting. I think you just want to kind of figure out where they're more confident. And we kind of saw that a little bit last year with like Dante and, and Spoonar, um, where Januzzi would, would have certain things he kind of liked. And then it was like, okay, well, if Januzzi always liked putting rebounds to the corner – well, then we'll be able to help set up so then we can go retrieve the puck and break it out. I think it's kind of the similar thought with these goaltenders, too, is, you know, just absorb pucks best you can. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously, if, if you're the defenseman, it's a veteran defensive group. It so is. they should be able to figure this one out and kind of have a nice week of practice to kind of get on the same page with those two goaltenders. They've had a lot of practice time with them. They've, they've had the Neely Cup, obviously, too, which is a little bit of a sample size. So at this point, there's no excuses anymore for how it plays. It's obviously... You know, they're 19, 18 years old. You're going to make mistakes. It's fine. Yes. It's just kind of how you, if you're making the same mistake over and over and over again, I'm sure that's where the point becomes, okay, we got to make some adjustments. So I don't think you need to adjust your strategy. I think it's more so of just make sure the conversations are had about where do you need me? Do you want me to block the shot? Do you want me to block the passing lane? Um, do I do I need to have a better stick? Like, you know, how, how can you help each other? It's one of those, like, it's an uplifting talk, right? Like, how can I do my job to make you better? It's it feels a, yeah. like us in the workplace. A, yeah, how do I make your life easier? <laughs> yes. In that, well, I, that's a really interesting way to put it. Um, I, I'm curious to ask you, because we were talking about some of these matchups. Saskatoon, obviously, was a big one. You mentioned Prince George in those games coming yep. up. I'm just curious what you've made of, and you've seen much more of these teams than I have, traveling around early in the season, long road trip. I know sure. some of those, East, you know, you're, you're going all over the place. What, what have you just made of the way the Western Conference stacks up this year? Because we came in and there was a lot of question marks, right? I mean, Seattle and everything that they're replacing. Right. Everett's right. kind of a new fresh start. Like, I'm just curious what you've made of not only the, the Western Conference, but the U.S. division now that we're, you know, what, nearing the not quite halfway point, but we're starting to creep up on it a little no, bit. No, for sure. Uh, the good news is Michael, I think, will be our guest next podcast. So he'll be able to shed a little bit more light because – he likes to review things right around Christmas time, yeah. so perfect for him to get him on. Um, that's actually a really good question because preseason Nick was probably way off with my <laughs> yeah. Who have we missed on? Who are we right on? Who have I we think missed Everett. On? I think Everett, Everett's yeah. the one that really slid under the radar for me. I thought this would be a little bit more of a rebuilding year for them, and then they'd be very good next season. Um, I think they're good now, and they're going to be really good next season. So I think they're one that maybe surprised me. Uh, to be fair, I mean. I think it's pretty obvious to say I did think Portland would be number one of the division right now as of us talking, but I technically I think statistically they're third yeah. behind Wenatchee and Everett, um, to, but very close. Like if you, if you win the games you haven't played yet, you'll probably be in that first position, so it's not like they're far off, um, but I thought Portland would at least be pretty solid in first place like they were for the majority of October and November. Um, Wenatchee's not a surprise. The surprise will be what happens in the next month for them. Their general manager, Bliss Littler, has a lot of decisions to make. 
I think I would know where they would lean, and I think it would have to be to sell the players that they do have. Like they have stars there, but they don't have anything in the. They have nothing in the cupboards. Like, That's been the team. I feel like everybody has circled since the start of the year of like yes. not vultures, but you're just waiting to see yes. who's going to become available in January. Without a doubt, because yeah. they um, old ownership when they were in Winnipeg, they traded away every draft pick they owned. So the way the league works, by the way, for the fans that maybe don't know this part, um, you get the trade four years out. So last season, you could trade 2024, 2025, 2026, and 2027 draft picks. You can't touch 2028. Now you can, but last year you couldn't. Um, In those four years, the Winnipeg Ice organization, who is now the Wenatchee Wild, they had, I think, one pick, and it was a fourth-round pick in those next four years. (laughs) They had nothing, one, two, three, in any of those four seasons. Like, that burns franchises. And, like, yeah, when you think about you it, do. no, and you're drafting a 14, 15-year-old at the time. So you're drafting a 15-year-old in the first round, if you don't do anything, in 2028. That means that player is not coming to the league for two more seasons. So <laughs> that team's kind of irrelevant, quote-unquote, until 2030, <laughs> unless you restock. Like, that's unbelievable. It's a long ways off. Miles like, is going to be seven. No kidding. He's probably going to be getting <laughs> drafted. Third grade. <laughs> He'll be getting drafted by yeah. the Winterhawks then yeah. almost. So obviously there becomes that point from the general manager side of how do we regroup this and the answer is going to be well we got to trade the good players we have now and they have superstars so you can get back a lot of firsts a lot of seconds you could restock the cupboard pretty quickly um which stinks obviously from Wenatchee's perspective because I'm sure they're like well shoot like I wish we could play with these players and actually have them for a full year they didn't get Zach Benson back mm-hmm. he's in the NHL with Buffalo um he still could, but they have to pay him now his first year of contract because we, we did see that last year with Dylan Gunther when the Arizona Coyotes reassigned him to Edmonton. Edmonton traded his rights to Seattle. He played great for Seattle, and he was one of their best players easily for their Memorial Cup run. So not saying it's not out of the picture, but unlikely. Um, and then you obviously have Matt Savoy, who's a superstar. He's also a Buffalo Sabres draft pick first round. You have um, Connor Geeky, who's a centerman. First-round pick of Arizona. You have a 20-year-old defenseman who's leading the league in scoring, Graham Sward. He was a former Spokane Chief. Yep. And you have probably one of the top goaltenders still as well in Daniel Hauser, who's very good. I think those four pieces alone, uh, five first-round picks you could probably get back for them. Like, obviously, it stinks from that organization thinking, wow, we got to trade all of our best players. But you can escalate your rebuild really quick. So if they decide to go that route, we'll see Wenatchee slide down. If not, they'll easily be a playoff team. Easily. Um, can they contend for a championship? Ah, hard to say, yeah. but they probably just don't have the pieces to be able to acquire at the deadline, which other teams will. Like we're seeing Frazier Minton go to Saskatoon already. There's a, a top-end uh, NHL player. So Portland, Wenatchee, certainly I thought they'd be tops. They are right now. Everett sliding into the top three. Um, at least how many wins they have at this point, a little surprising for me. Good for them. I, I, you know, I knew they had some younger players, but I think they've developed a lot more. And knowing Dennis Williams in the past, he's kind of riding that line one, line two, line one, line two. Now he's playing his depth, <laughs> right, and it's right. like, hey, you're doing great. Like, obviously, you have terrific pieces there, so good for Everett. They're going to be one to watch. We saw that last year late in the season where I think he only played six forwards the entire series. <laughs> yeah, like, that's all we got. 100%. We're not playing anybody else. Well, yeah. I get it because they knew that those two lines were the only way that they could only beat chance. Portland. So I understand it, but it's also tough because if you're sitting in that third line, you're like, I'm ready. Hey, I'm ready I'm to go. Coach, yeah. coach, yeah. put me in, coach. Yes. I got fresh legs. Yes, <laughs> so they did a good job now. Yeah. Um, Seattle... Probably where I thought they'd be. I think they started off so hot, though. I was like, how is this team 7-1 and one to start the season or something like that? They've kind of come down to earth a little bit more. Um, they had the same news that Wenatchee had. They didn't get Kevin Korchinski back, a 19-year-old defenseman who sticks 
in the NHL with Chicago. I think that kind of hurt them. Um, I think they were expecting him back, which then you could have maybe gone on another little run, or you could have traded him and gotten multiple first-round picks back. Exactly. So that kind of burned them, like like Jarvis not coming back, which is great. We're seeing WHL players thrive. And to As go back 19-year-olds, yes. it's massive right out of the gate. Yeah. Because they're getting their bodies ready, like we just talked about. Right, right. Um, so it's good there. And then Spokane, I knew they'd be more the middle of the pack. I didn't realize they'd be last coming into that weekend against Portland. Um, but, but they're a team that has a couple of young players who they'll grow with, and they'll be good. They aren't going to be very relevant this year. They'll be a fine hockey team um, but once Berkeley Catton gets drafted top five this year and then you get him his next season and maybe the year after if you're lucky he'll be very good too so this U.S. division is still good it's interesting there's no like runaway team um, the Western Conference I still think like I still think it's Portland Prince George I think it's pretty it should be pretty easy to think those should be their two teams come February that we're really talking about maybe there'll be a dark horse like Everett that really sneaks into the picture it hangs on all year yeah Yeah, because Everett can kind of do like a soft sell if they want to they could do a a, they could go for it this year if they if they think they have the pieces to beat Portland and Prince George and I think you know why not they beat Portland this past week they went one and one in Prince George earlier Um, so it's interesting I think the Western Conference will be fun interesting I I love that insight on all of it Uh, now let me ask you this I don't want to get too into the, the deadline stuff it is around the corner coming up everybody focuses on it we'll talk as you mentioned to mike uh in in december on the podcast excluding the uh not Bruden, the spoonar injury not knowing what that's going to be because i think everybody would say if it ends up lasting that's obviously the big meaning that you have and right. maybe that's the move that you end up making so excluding that right and let's stay positive he's going to be back everything will be okay what is the biggest need for this roster um, is there one is there a glaring weakness i think the biggest thing is just grabbing another like star you just if if this is a team that wants to win a memorial cup and really really contend for that you need another jarvis you need another chaz lucius you need a cody glass you need that top end player to kind of help get you over the bump um because i love this team's depth when we talk about it a lot but then recently in the last couple of games it's really just been one line that's scoring it's clausen stefan and davies and it's the veterans that have been doing terrific but then the other lines can't seem to find the back of the net as easily as they did in October and November. I think that's kind of the Portland way. Portland always comes in so prepared compared to other teams. Like, it's unbelievable how how well Richie and Mike and Kyle and Brian and everybody just gets this group prepared for the season. There's like, not a ramp-up period for the first No, <laughs> they come into camp like, we're going to win like our first playoff game tomorrow. Yeah. And then people are like, geez, guys, like I just came <laughs> off the lake in Canada. Like I'm exhausted. Yeah. It's game two. Yes. Calm down. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be interesting to see, but I don't know. I think they'll get a, they'll get a decent piece. Um, I mean, history standpoint, the Winterhawks kind of add that one player. It was a Taylor Gauthier. It was a Joel Hofer. It was a Josh Patterson. Um, Chaz Lucius, who they didn't have to acquire, they just got. But there's always like one big fish they got added to their roster. Uh, Dennis Chalowski. Yes, yes. Um, so I think that's maybe the vibe again. Like that's kind of the Portland way of just adding one piece. You don't have to destroy your team. You just add one good element, and then you kind of see what you got. So I think that's how interesting the staff might approach it this year, and I'd imagine they would because they know they could win this year. They know this is a window. You're going to lose Clawson. You're going to lose Stefan. You're going to lose O'Brien. Um, you're likely going to lose Alsher, who already signed an NHL deal. Based on Davey's start, you're going to probably lose him because he's going to sign a deal, and he'll be 20-year-old next year. He'll be in the AHL. Are you going to lose Canyoni? I'd guess yes, because yeah. he'll be a 20-year-old as well. With yeah. like You're losing huge pieces next year. Yeah, so what happens with him, yeah. Right, he'll be a 20-year-old and an import. Does he go pro? You, you know, Is that one that he's able to advance? Um Oof, like that's a little scary thinking about the future, but there's great pieces coming up. But in terms of like winning a championship next year's 
frankly not their year. Yeah. Um, so it's it's this year if you want to go for it. If not, obviously you have some great pieces. So Kresge's, Budazoni's, Chazowski, Newen back, Southern, uh, Brunin. Like you could build a group. Ryan Miller scored his first two career goals this past weekend. Very cool to see. Um, Kyle McDonough has been another 16-year-old on the team playing some good minutes. So you could build. Like It's not like the future is scary in terms of like there's great players who are going to get their time to shine. Um, but obviously your championship windows, you're, you're realistic and you know this is the year. Seems like this is the year. They've been waiting to go all in. I think we got like a, 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 a cattle of people outside waiting to hop on the pod. So the players, I assume, are ready. Before we wrap things up, though, yes. Uh, we obviously have the Teddy Bear Toss game coming up. Now, we're not wearing the Edmonton Teddy Bear jerseys, I would assume, I would hope, because those look like a nightmare. Oh, boy. I want nothing to do with those. But Teddy Bear Toss, a week from Saturday coming up. we got a toy drive coming up. This, yep. this is We're now in the promo sweet spot of the calendar, and I can't wait. What do people need to know? They need to know this is the fun time of the year. It's yeah. December, right? It's the, it's the holiday season. We're, we're after Thanksgiving. This is the best month for hockey, too. Toy drive on Saturday night, home game. Bring your new toys, action figures, Legos, Hot Wheels, Barbies, anything. Donate them. They're going to a terrific cause. It's the Les Schwab KPTV Toy Drive. The Winterhawks have always partnered with, and we raise so much thanks to your efforts. So please... Um, we would love it if you bring some more toys. Uh, Women's Night on Sunday, there's a panel hosted by Weiss, um, which is available for fans to register now. If you go to winterhawks.com or the Hawks social media, you can see that. I think if you're listening to the podcast, today's your last cutoff day, so get in there. Um, it's a great panel of all the you know top executives around the Portland area on Sunday. That's you really cool. join that panel. It's a little networking thing as well, um, and just kind of listen to some of some of those women here in the sports industry and just in in the um, uh, Portland sports management world. And then the following weekend, Teddy Bear Toss, December 9th, always the best. It's a Saturday night. It's against Seattle once again. Uh, I can't wait for that one. Like, I, I feel like we didn't do enough justice for that, but it also speaks for itself. It's if you're the tuning best in, 30, night of the year. if you're listening 30 minutes into this podcast, you know what the Winterhawks Teddy Bear <laughs> Toss is like. So I don't need to tell you that. You Obviously, already have your tickets and you got your bears. Yes. You're listening this deep into the pod. Yeah. Yes, I would 100% <laughs> agree. If you have friends that are on the fence, they you better tell them to act now. Yeah. I think there's like 500 tickets left. So there's going to be another 10,000 fans here for that game. Unbelievable. Love that. Um, I hope we see who scores early again. Knock on wood. I'm, I'm knocking on it right now. Um, I'll give my prediction to end it off. Yeah. I think the boys in the roundtable will probably give their predictions later on. Uh, Teddy Bird toss goal. We're going to go a little, uh, not wild card. We're going to say. Ooh, I like this. Are we going deep down the board? Do I want to. No, I just got to go with what's going hot. We're going to go with Josh Davies. Josh Davies. Davies gets it. Okay. Davies. I year. love it, man. I can't wait. It is one of the best nights of the year. I had a coworker reach out a couple years ago and said, hey, what's this? Doesn't know anything about hockey. Sure. What's this teddy bear tossing about? And I was like, dude, if you're thinking about getting tickets, get tickets. You're going to have a good time. Go. He said, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And he texted me. He took his wife to the game and was like, that was awesome. It's like, <laughs> dude, it's the best night of the year, man. I can't wait. For the casual fan, if you're still tuning in, <laughs> thank you for listening this far. Uh, what it is really quick is when the Hawks score, they throw teddy bears that you bring into yes. the game onto the ice. 10,000 bears get collected and donated to the Portland Charities. So that's what the night's all about. It is so cool how well this group comes together. If you feel like getting pelted in the head by 10,000 teddy bears, it's an that's awesome your game. time. <laughs> They're all over the place. It's so fun. Uh, all right, who do we got coming up on the pot? Who, who are our players today? I think uh, Nick Johnson, Rhett Ravendahl, and Tyson Uremko. I love it, dude. I love it. Here we go, the player-led portion of the pod. That is Nick Merrick. I'm Anitor Johnson. All right, how's it going, Hawks fans? Uh, Point One Outs podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Johnson, and we got... Uh, uh, I'm Rhett Ravendahl. I'm Marcus Newitt. I'm Tyson Uramko. 
All right, we got four of us joining us. All right, so just a couple uh, couple questions going on. Um, Thanksgiving week, four games and five nights. Thoughts from last week? What do we think? What was uh, How do we think about the schedule on that one? Yeah, that was a tough one. Yeah, it wasn't um, very nice. I don't know. Some tough games going on, yeah. but uh, I think the toughest one so far has had to be the road trip. Uh, just on the road the entire time. Some tough beds, some tough pillows in the hotel room. So uh, I'd say that. Yeah, it wasn't very nice. One. We're going to stick to Thanksgiving week, though. <laughs> Let's go, Marcus. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this guy's lost. Get him. What? That's really difficult. Yeah, I don't, I, we're not there yet. Period. Oh, <laughs> Thanksgiving. Sorry, what was the question? Just, uh, you know, like Thanksgiving week, four games, five nights. Like, that's a tough schedule. Yeah, like, what were, what were your thoughts on the games and those four games? Oh, a little tough. I mean, first three and three. I mm. think of the season, so was we kind of we had a three and three on the road. Did we? Yeah, yeah. we did. We did. Yeah. All right, second three on th- three and three. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll go with that one. But uh, yeah, it was tough. I mean, you know, I think that pretty tough game against Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. So you know, Sunday was a little tiring with yeah. you know the legs and stuff. So we didn't really get to. Exper- we haven't really experienced that much before. So I mean. I think we got a couple more coming up, so we got to get ready for those. So that's all we can do. It was a good learning experience, yeah, I think, for, sure. for all of us. Yeah. What did you think about that, Tyson? Uh, yeah, I think it was pretty tough. Some tough teams to play against. So I really personally haven't played a three and three like that for a long time. So I think yeah. it was pretty hard on my body. Yeah, it's good for sure. Moving on though, it's gonna stay on the top of Thanksgiving though. Thanksgiving Day, yeah. Thursday. You know, we didn't we didn't celebrate Canadian Thanksgiving. We got to miss that. I'm sure we all got to see family pictures on that. But yep. we got to uh, experience the American Thanksgiving. It's your favorite dish. How was it? Uh, I'd have to go with like the some kind of pudding. It was like jelly. <laughs> it was like jelly pudding or something. Right, I don't yeah. know. Or jelly salad. It was uh, actually jelly, yeah. salad. Jelly, jelly salad. Jelly. Yeah, that's what they call really? it. I don't know what it was. Mm-hmm. It was that really weird. Really good. It, it was pretty good. I don't know. That's good. So I good. got a question. What's the difference between American Thanksgiving and Canadian Thanksgiving? I don't think there's really. No, like, just like different just times. times. Yeah. Yeah. I think the food yeah. and everything is yeah. still the same. Oh, Canada, they do turkeys and everything? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everything's the same. Was, I think my favorite dish was, it's always been stuffing for me. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I, know, I actually like that. Are you that. kidding me? I, I love stuffing that. Is, I don't stuffing know, it's like, is it's like okay. Stuffing is like I, the I best little gravy on top. Yeah. It's okay. Johnny, I don't know like what your favorite dish is, but like, like you gotta go with, like the mashed potatoes. Like, yeah. come on, like, like I have mashed pota- potatoes every like Sunday. Every, like, yeah. stuffing's kind of like. Well, I don't. <laughs> like, I just I don't have that every Sunday though. So stuffing's like a couple times a year kind of thing. You kind yeah, of look okay. forward to it. I don't know. And some pumpkin pie, maybe pumpkin pie. Oh, I like yeah. pumpkin pie with apple a lot of whipped pie, whipped cream. cream. Yeah, a lot of whipped cream. On maybe that. some vanilla. Yeah, ice cream. I'm throwing oh, <laughs> vanilla ice cream on top <laughs> of that. That's <laughs> nice. Pretty nice. Uh, All right, uh, we're gonna move on. We're gonna stick to the weekend, though. Um, you know that SAS game, like that was that was a whole different vibe to it. It was good. It was a good. It was a good win for the team. Like I don't know what what were your thoughts on the game. Like more of a playoff vibe, or yeah, I think that was a really good playoff game. Like yeah. uh, Tyson with the big fight there after a <laughs> bit of a dirty hit on Josh Murray, but uh, yeah, yeah, good job just, sticking up for your team. Yeah, sure. I just got the boys good going. Job. And uh, just the back and forth in the game, kind of switching leads there, mm. just uh, really showed the resilience in the boys. Yeah, I agree. How we can fight back. Yeah, definitely a playoff game. For sure. That was, you know, one of the toughest games of the year, but I thought we played one of the best games of the year as yeah. well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it was fun too. Like, I enjoyed it a lot. 
I know uh, Sunday game wasn't wasn't our best, but I mean, Millsy, come on, yeah. two goals there, big, like big like have a night, goals. kid, like yeah, good job. And I was I was really uh I was really happy for the guy. Yeah, the kid, you know, he deserved it. What'd you think? Yeah, I told him how to tape his stick that game. Did you? Um, nice. uh, I actually saw uh, Tyson Uremko tape his I stick. I taped it for him. Oh, you so. taped wow. it actually? Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. That's All right. I told him what tape job to do. Yeah, but like sock? I told him to do the sock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but I, in the car, I, I did it. I actually watched Tyson do it. Yeah, that was crazy. I did it. Talk to? Yeah, I don't know. Might have given him all my luck, but it worked. Really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gotta give some credit to you. Yeah. yeah. Looking, uh, looking forward here. Um, we got uh, we got um, Teddy Bear Toss game coming up. What date? What's oh, the date on that again? December 9th, I think. The 9th? Yeah, yeah. 9th against Seattle. First, too, yeah, so. first home game against Seattle of the year so yeah. far. That's going to be interesting for sure. I heard it's sold out. Yeah, sold pretty, out. Pretty close. We sold I was out. heard there's only maybe a couple seats way up there. Get your tickets up there. Yeah. yeah. How many seats does this place hold? 12? 10,000? 10,000? That was a bit more than that. Hmm. I mean, Still, so it's still a lot of people. I mean, yeah, come on! Like yeah, wow, kind of excited for that one. Ten thousand people in the building. You know, I heard, uh, I heard a few rumors that might be a couple uh, fights going on in that <laughs> game. Or, yeah, I think I know who's scoring the goal too. Who? Who do you think? Back to back, Marcus. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I really? Think, I think yeah. I think he's got. It. I think if he can, uh, I think he's there, yeah, like, forehand, backhand, bunk, and then capitalize on one of my breakaways on. One of your five, probably that game. Yeah. <laughs> it was a breakaway last year, wasn't it? Five hole. Yeah, it was. I was on the ice last year for it. Yeah, it was yeah, crazy. It was cool. It's kind of, it was kind of, it's like it was kind of cool, like seeing all the like teddy bears like, like fall. I like, think there's just so many people. Their atmosphere is great. Like I don't know, like how'd you feel? I loved it. Like, yeah, just blew up as soon as yeah. the goal was scored. Got hit with a few teddy bears, but wasn't too bad. It's not You're, like yeah. it's not like Dylan Gunther coming down on you, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was a it was a good game. Yeah, Rav, what do you if you who do you think's gonna who do you think's gonna pot it this year? I'd have to go with Tyson Rome. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, as a fr- as the first goal. Yeah, first goal. as first your first goal of the year, I yeah. see that, and that then just drop them, uh, drop the miss right after you <laughs> score. Be pretty electric. Yeah, Johnny, that, who do you think scoring? Oh God, I think I think you know I think it's gonna give it either. I think Dunsey. I think Dunsey's got it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think he's gonna come in for his first goal That's too. Pretty good. What about you, Marv? Who do you think is going to score it? Besides yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I honestly think... Let me think here. I honestly think James Stefan will score it. But I think a sleeper pick, Josh Morey. Interesting. That is interesting. And I kind of agree with that one. Who knows? Would that be Morey's first of the year? Yeah. It would be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. Kind of like Steph as a pick too. Yeah. He's going pretty hot. So. Yeah. yeah. Davo. Davo's been Chef hot. Steph. Yeah. Dave. Yeah, Dave's, Dave's been, been hot. Yeah, He's yeah. been cooking. Yeah. He could. Yeah. He could get it too. Hmm. It's very interesting. We got a toy drive game this weekend on Saturday. You know, fans bring all your toys. Hey, Hot Wheels, Legos. Who knows? Um, <laughs> donate after the season. What's uh, what's your uh, favorite toy growing up, <gasps> Rav? My favorite toy? Yeah. Oh no! Um, I gotta look back on this one. I mean, we had so many Legos as a kid. Like, yeah. just down in the basement, we just had a big table just filled with Legos. I don't even know what there's like Star Wars, Indiana yeah, yeah, Jones, yeah, stuff like that. We had everything. So, 
I don't know how much money we spent on Legos. So. I actually, I, I'd have to go with Legos. I actually, we, I got a, I got a massive collection of Legos in my house. Really? Yeah. Not even joking. My dad's like Bill going full. Of, no, no, no. My actual house oh, in really? Calgary. Yeah. Your dad. My dad's going all out on it. There's like, you know, like those like little like heads, you know, like you can, the Lego heads of like Star Wars characters and all that stuff. Yeah, I think so. Like he collects them. Yeah, I'm not kidding. That's like, sick. there's like. Like just the little ones? Like no, 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 like big, big ones, like like this big. Oh, like you built oh. them? Yeah. Like you build them out of Legos? Yeah, and then like, they're like, all oh, it's up all on our shelves and everything. Did you build any? Yeah. How long do they take? Oh, like, I mean, like off and on, like, probably like you just drag it over like a week or a couple <laughs> days for sure. Good grind. Though. Yeah. Yeah, that's all right. It's a good pa- chef. Pass some good time, good you know. Chef. Something to do. Yeah. It's not. What about you, Marv? What's your uh, favorite? Uh... Hot Wheels were pretty cool. Legos, I mean, can't go wrong with Legos. Um, I remember when I was a kid, me and my mom actually, like, built this Lego set. We stayed up till like, 4 a.m., just, like, grinding, putting this huge shift <laughs> Going to work. <laughs> Going to work. <laughs> and it took forever, and I woke up the next day for school. I was, like, I was just pumped I finished that. Yeah. Like, it was a tough set, I mean. But you got the job Yeah, done. we got it done, yeah. so it's good. Yeah, It's good to commitment there Tyson oh, yeah. uh, I don't really think I played <laughs> many toys when I was young but I, I think there's like one you, you know like those little I can't remember what they're called like you have a little plastic ring and then you like pull it out the baby blades yeah oh I'd bring so many of those to school I and mean, stuff you, you rip them yeah I think those and like dude I'd do that too gone or something yeah. like blades at school yeah. Like, yeah the best one you're yeah, just the sickest kid let it rip. <laughs> you'd be like, you'd battle like everyone, <laughs> hey? Yeah. <laughs> you'd like bring your big arena to school and everything. <laughs> I think those are the funnest. I don't know. You'd be a hero if you won. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That's you kind of like modded at home too, like kind of strengthen it up. Yeah. Yeah. Like you practice practice grab, yeah, grab a knife, put see some how, rivets yeah, into yeah. it. See, like. how, see how fast you can pull it out yeah. of there? Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Oh, those are good. We're going, uh, we're going to go back, you know, we mentioned Millsy's first goal, but what about, uh, you know, good for the kid, what about Merrick's first win? Yeah, wow. That's yeah, that was a great that's awesome. Like, great. He had a great speech afterwards, yeah. too. For yeah. What was it again? It's like six times a charm or something yes. like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good for him, you know, good yeah. to see him. You know, with Spoonie out, we need a, we need a guy to step up, so yeah. good for him to see that. Yeah, see a big first team one. like that, too. Yeah. So a big win, so. Yeah, it was. Um, so probably gonna, probably gonna wrap it up here, folks. Um, thanks for, uh, thanks for stopping by and listening and, uh, hope to see you at, uh, a few games in the future. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. I do